Welcome in everybody to the second episode of the Varsity Breakdown. I'm your host Jose Guevara and with me as always is the co-creator of the Varsity Breakdown, Mr. Lupe Ramirez. How's it going? Feels good. I mean it's been a while since we've been able to do this. I mean we're a little bit off schedule but we're finally getting to shoot episode two. Yeah man it's uh, been one crazy week. As uh, before we get started into the whole recap of uh, what happened last week, I just want to take a moment to explain why we are off a little bit uh, with our normal schedule. Uh, we actually had a new addition to the Varsity Breakdown family as uh, Loopy and uh, his uh, wife, Danny, uh, finally brought uh, their son into the world. So first off, congratulations with that. Thank you, sir. And I hope everything's going good and can't wait to meet the little man. Same here. I can't wait to get him home. I mean, he is doing fine. Um, unfortunately, he came a little bit early, so he's not able to come home just yet. But w- when he is, I-, I can't wait. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good, man. We're going to have to get him a little varsity breakdown shirt. Oh, so. yeah, we were thinking about that, but making a, a nice little onesie for him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But without further ado, we had a pretty much a blowout kind of weak last week didn't we uh as far as all the games nothing was that impressive we had we had one close game or 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 a game that we thought that would be you know where where it would be at but um yeah except for one game everything pretty much went in the way we expected yeah absolutely absolutely and so what is going to be the first game that you want to start the recap with um, the first game that I want to recap is the match between the Santan Foothill Sabercats and the Coolidge Bears. The final score to that was six to sixty, with Coolidge blowing them out. Yeah, and it was uh, it was some that was expected, of course. What a way for the seniors for Coolidge to kind of wrap up their season, and that's the way it should be, though. You know, when you have a team that comes in at one and eight, you're you should be expected to blow them out, especially a team like Coolidge who is on the border of a playoff implications, you know what I mean? So they took care of business. And what what does uh, the stats kind of look like? Just like the, the score, the stats are pretty much leaning one side. One major key to the Coolidge win was Tad Lynch. Um, he did pull in 191 yards and four touchdowns in this game. And then with those four touchdowns, that brought him to 18 total touchdowns on the year. That's an impressive way to end your senior night. Coolidge did wrap up their senior uh, their season uh, Friday night, and it finished uh, six and four on the year. Yeah, they finished six and four on the year and three and one in their region. Now, is there a? There was a couple of other players that had some impressive nights, you know, and that are going to be returning next year. Um, one of them being Jaleel Bishop. Mm-hmm. He finished with uh, five tackles, one forced fumble, an interception, which was his fifth on the season. Yep, and he took that one to the house. I think it was just an overall impressive night from Coolidge. Not only that, they had a sophomore, uh, Wanya Brookshire. He got his first career touchdown, so shout out to him for getting that done. And I know that that's going to be a name we're going to be calling a lot for a lot more in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And so for Coolidge, unfortunately, even though they had the blowout win, they came up a little bit short when it came to playoff implications. Uh, They finished the uh, year ranked 18th in 3A, Mm -hmm. and it just unfortunately wasn't good enough. You know, I think uh, if you take some of their early losses – that kind of hurt them, but then ended up getting jumped by a team that they beat. 
and it, and it goes uh, in it, which was Phoenix Christian and Phoenix Christian ended up winning their region. Mm-hmm. And so if you guys don't know in the two A and three A divisions, if you win your region, you're an automatic bid for the playoffs. So you have a team like Phoenix Christian who Coolidge beat. I think they finished one game ahead of Coolidge. I think they finished mm-hmm. seven, seven and three. And so because they won their region, they get to make it to the playoffs and Coolidge is going to be sitting at home this year. So it's unfortunate, it, but I, I mean, it, it was definitely a huge snub. I could see um, why many of the players, including the coaches would be upset why they didn't make it in, but the kids themselves and the, and the coaches have nothing to be upset about. They had a great year. If you, if you think about it from the Coolidge standpoint, you beat both of your main rivals in Coolidge and Santa Cruz. You had a winning record. The selection for the the playoffs, it's just unfortunate that they didn't make it. So you have nothing to be upset about. You guys had a tremendous year. Absolutely. And, you know, I think they finished the uh, year on a three-game winning streak. So it nothing to hang their head about at, uh, at all. You know, I think uh, last year was uh, they finished three and four last year. So they improved. You know what I mean? They have something to build on for next year. The best part about it is, they're only losing seven seniors and that's on offense and defense combined. And so, you know, you have, you already have a foundation. You have some holes uh, that you got to fill and that's going to be at quarterback. Both of your running backs are gone. And uh, I think one or two, your wide receivers. So on the offensive end, you got some holes to, uh, to fill, but at the same time, they're so young that They've already had um, people like Jaleel, who's, I believe, a sophomore. Yeah, he's a sophomore. Uh, already filling big key positions and now is just plugging in those younger guys that are going to be seniors next year, juniors, you know, uh, to be able to fill those voids. And I think they'll be they'll be just fine coming into next year, especially under Coach Shanks. I mean, he got them in the right mind and he got them buying into that old school college football. And yeah. I, I expect big things for them next year. Definitely. I don't think that they'll have a problem bouncing back next year. I think their, their biggest competition next year is definitely going to be Eastmark again, who won their region this year. And um, I, I, I don't have any doubts that they will be able to find the success that they did this year and build on it next year. Absolutely. And uh, as far as going into next year, who are you going to be keeping an eye on, you know, when we start going around and seeing them uh, training in the summer? Who, who's one guy that you got on your mind that's for me? For it, it's it's got to be the kid, Wanya, Wanya Brookshire. Um, I know that, you know, for to get your uh, first career touchdown in the last game of the season, it, you know, you can view that whichever way you want. But I think that's a sign of good things to come, especially, not only for him, but the Coolidge team as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, of course, on defense is for me is going to be uh, Jaleel Bishop. But I'm actually interested in seeing uh, players like Javante Wall, who's uh, running back. He'll be a junior next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got freshman Maurice Glass, uh, who will be a sophomore. Those guys, I mean, they play together in Pop Warner. You know, all, all actually all these guys coming up here have played together in Pop Warner and it's going to be interesting because they were uh, pretty successful in the Pop Warner realm. They were, I think, pretty uh, successful in junior high. And now we're going to get to see those kids take over the realm of Coolidge High School football. And so I, I want to see those running backs and see who's going to break out mm-hmm. come next year. So It'll be pretty exciting. 
So uh, the next team you want to talk about was uh, Florence, right? Yes. And so uh, Florence uh, went to East Mark yep, and uh, fell 41 to 13 to finish off their season, dropping them to four and six. And it's just been a rough year for Florence. Unfortunately, you know, they had a couple of battles with injuries. Uh, but what were some of the stats that, you know, was there anybody that you thought deserved some recognition? Um, one player that I think would definitely get a nod would be Caleb Lewis. He scored in both the second and fourth quarter for the, uh, uh, Gophers. And, um, I think his help on offense was, it, it was just what they needed, but it just wasn't enough because, uh, Eastmark, as we saw when they played Coolidge for their homecoming game, they were a tough team. They, they didn't allow teams to get ahead too far. And I think that, that's just what happened to Florence. They they just couldn't get out of uh, out of that funk to where they can get over a hump and get more points than Eastmark. Yeah, and uh, it seemed like that was what Flo- Florence dealt with all year was the lack of stops that their defense could get. You know, I mean, they're coming in to, against Mojave. They were putting up points. They put up thirty two points, but gave up fifty five points. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like that's what's killed them all year was their defense not being able to uh, stop the um, opponents that they were facing. And I think they've they're losing a lot of seniors this year. You know, so it's going to oh, yeah. be it's going to be very interesting to see how they're able to fill some holes, especially um, you know, like you said, Caleb Lewis, uh, one of a one of a high caliber running backs that we had this year, and uh, to- Tommy Carberry is another one, mm-hmm. you know, but I think in order for Florence to be successful in the future is you got to get some stops on, on defense, of course, but I think they got to air it out a little bit more to, to me is like when, when their running game got stopped a little bit, they would kind of rely on the pass, but there was no, um, there was no balance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Either they're going to throw a lot, and run less or vice versa. They're going to run the ball a lot. Live and, and die know, by one or the other. One, yeah, absolutely. And I think once they find a little bit of balance, you know, they'll 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 be okay. It's just it's it's a tough uh, confer- or region that they play in. You know, having Coolidge already in their East Mark, and then um, you also have uh, ALA Ironwood. ALA Ironwood, and you know that's that's a team that. I mean, they're 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 kind of like a Florence, you know what I mean? They're hit and hit or miss. Mm-hmm. They have one really good game, and then unfortunately have one one bad game. But I think Florence, um, they're going to be very young, so I don't know if they're going to be as successful as their four and six season this year. But they got to start building that that program from the ground up, and I think next year you're going to see that. And I think so, too. I mean, it's not like they're going to have to deal with any type of inconsistency as, as far as coach-wise. Um, their coach, Bill McCain, spoke real highly of his team. Um, he felt like they fought as hard as they could through their adversity, but it was just a tough season. I mean, to 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 come uh, out of the circumstances of last year that everybody had to deal with, and then to come into this year and try to fall back into schedule like everything is normal – uh, it just seems like Florence wasn't able to do that. But they also had some bright moments of the season where their defense put out teams. Um, like when they played Veritas Prep, they you know they, they did a good job of locking them down. I think that uh, that week they end, their whole entire defense ended up winning. Uh, Breakout award. player, yeah. But um, I, I, don't, I don't have any doubts that they'll be able to, to find 
uh, a rhythm again next year. And I think even next year, I think they'll have a chance to be even better than they were this year. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting. You're you're on one side of the spectrum. I'm on the other. I think they're in rebuild mode. But like I said, we've been surprised before. Who is somebody you got your eye on as far as coming into next year that you can you think will, is going to be a breakout player? For me, uh, one kid that we had who was constantly in the in the running for either a running runner up or just missing a breakout player was Davin Dede Neal. The, the kid's got all the skills it takes to be a good player. We just got to see him uh, just take all the skills, round them up very well, and then just go out into the field and attack. I have no doubts that next year we will see a much different Neal. Absolutely, you know, and that like I said, I mean that that kid, especially on the special teams aspect, I mean he he's something special for sure. Uh, for me, it's going to be quarterback Jet Scott. I believe he's a sophomore this year. Mm-hmm. I don't think they utilized him as much. I think he came on, you know, in the latter part of the season. Like I said, they were run heavy. I'm interested to see what he does. You know, coming into his junior year, he's probably going to be one of the uh, top weapons on offense. And, you know, what what is he going to do at quarterback? You're losing Tommy Carberry, which is your standout wide receiver. Mm-hmm. What can he do with the weapons around him and make himself better? And that that's going to be my guy that I'm going to keep an eye on uh, coming into the summer. Sounds good. I think that once he figures out what type of, uh, or not only him, but him and the coach, when they figure out what type of scheme fits them the best, I, I don't I don't have any doubts that they'll they'll pick up. Absolutely. Now uh, moving on, we're going to uh, jump into Santa Cruz. Who man, it's just it's been a tough year for them, but. It was glad to see them finish on a strong note. Mm, especially, like you said, for them having such a roller coaster season. And, and their record shows it, 5-5. Five and five. That's exactly how it was. I mean, it wasn't necessarily win one, lose one. But ah, the key word here was just inconsistency. And then all the troubles that they had personnel-wise with injuries and, and everything else. It, it, it was tough for them. But they found a way to, to reconcile and blow out the Santa Rita Eagles. Yeah, they go into Santa Rita and uh, win 56-0. to zero. I mean, granted, Santa Rita's not a very good team, but Santa Cruz came in with a, a lot of people already out. Ricardo Alaniz, he got knocked out for the rest of the season, so he didn't get to finish up his last game of his senior year. Same with uh, Wyatt Ogle. So they had a lot of uh, freshmen starting for them uh, come uh, uh, Friday night against Santa Rita and they took care of business, man. It's kind of like it was a shocker for me. Like I expected them to win, but I didn't expect them to win in that. that de- yeah. In, in that decisively. So it's going to be interesting to see how this offseason goes for them. You know, um, their coach is wrapping up his first year. And, you know, like we said last week, he came in in an unpredictable way as, you know, their coach from last season um, left abruptly and he came in to try to fill that void and you could tell it uh the team was a little bit off with him as Mm -hmm. far as uh the chemistry but you know he got a lot of young talent that he's going to be able to utilize next year and so for them to uh reconcile that season and finish five and five it it's going to be a great year next year for them coming in with all this young talent especially i know there's one guy that you've been keeping an eye on and he actually got the start at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nathan Harris, he threw three touchdowns. I don't, I don't know uh, 
when the last time a freshman was able to come in and perform that well uh, in, in that role. But for him to go out and shine that bright on his home field on their last game, oh, that, it's well, unbelievable. Well, in Santa Rita, yeah, too. Oh, it was in Santa Rita. Yeah, yeah, correct. And uh, Santa Cruz is mostly a run-heavy team. You know, and that you don't really hear anything about the quarterback. Mm-mm. So, you know, you didn't hear much about Max Rodriguez a lot this year, not. you know. But being with all the injuries, you have to take your next be- uh, best guy, Max Rodriguez, and put him into the running back position because that's what this offense is based on. It's based on straight running, uh, live and die by the run, and stop you on defense. But for um, for their quarterback to come in, throw three touchdowns, I think – that's the most any of their quarterbacks through all year in yeah, one game, right. you know. So Santa Cruz uh, finishes five and five. Obviously, not good enough to make the playoffs, you know. But they were right there to win their uh, region. Yeah, they they were only four and one in their uh, in their region. It just it just tells you a lot about their resiliency. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they they go in and take care of a Sequoia Pathway, whom ended up winning the region, mm-hmm. but then uh, come last week, they fall to Tinkerverde, and I think if they had somehow been able to win that game, we'd be talking about Santa Cruz uh, being in the playoffs. A- absolutely. Yeah, it, it, that that game just shocked us all because we didn't expect for, the, well, for one, for their players to come out with injury, and the two, just for Santa Rita to put a beating on them like that. Uh, 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 Tinkerverde. Tinkerverde, yeah, Tinkerverde, I'm sorry. And then also, speaking of Tinkerverde, the AIA granted them a forfeit victory that all ultimately knocked out SC from the playoff contention. And, you know, and that's the big uh, the big thing that's been going on a lot this year is these teams that have been granted uh, forfeits and getting wins, it's been hurting other teams. You know, like um, we'll, we'll talk about Casa Grande later on uh, in about their forfeit situation, but it's unfortunate, like, you know, that these teams that are not doing very well, that they can't put uh, kids on the on the field in order to play these teams. And, you know, sometimes it's so last minute that it's hard to pick up a game. It's hard to find somebody to fill in that that uh, spot for that week. And, you know, it benefited Tinkerverde. And, you know, Santa Cruz, unfortunately, is not going to the playoffs. But I think with this young core, it's going to be – an exciting summer for them to finally see, okay, who's going to fill those Ricardo and Wyatt uh, positions, who's going to step up on defense because both of, you know, they played on both sides of the ball and that's what these small schools do. They, they have, don't have enough kids to just be like a Casa Grande where you got Angel Flores just playing quarterback and that's all he does. You know, uh, these small schools, you got to be able to be good on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of interested to see, how they regroup this summer, and it's going to be uh, uh, one team that we definitely got to keep our eyes on because, I mean, they're just a year away from being state champions. and Again, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, um, they won it last year. Unfortunately, injuries were uh, the plague to their season because if you look back at it, they lost to Arizona Lutheran, I think, who is – in the top three as far as the seed seeding goes for yeah, this playoff by one point and lost by one point. Ricardo got ejected that game. Wyatt goes down with the knee injury and just maybe that victory losing to get Glendale prep by four points. We might be seeing a team that was seven and three 
and easily making the playoffs regardless if they won the region or not. Mm-hmm. It's Like I said, we're going to keep our eye on them this summer. And uh, The next team we're going to be moving on into is the Vista Grande Spartans, and they uh, were at home against the Yuma Criminals. Yes, sir. The and, yes, uh, this is not the longest yard, but <laughs> that is actually the high school team's uh, name. Uh, but um, it was a lot closer than we had expected, didn't it? Yeah, we we were hoping for a blowout victory in favor of the Spartans, but it kind of got lackadaisical at the end there and, and let the, the criminals come back. Yeah, and uh, so the final on that one was 28-20. Uh, to 20. And uh, is there anybody that, you know, had some standout uh, stats going on? Yeah, you're going to hear these names, or you've heard these names before from us. Uh, Tyrese Constable, the senior, put up 112 yards and two touchdowns. He also had three receptions for three, or uh, three receptions for 32 yards, I'm sorry. And this is their first two-game win streak since 2018. That's a crazy stat. When when I saw that, I was like, wow. Hey, but you know what? Hats off to them, man. You know, they're they're starting to hit that strider right at the end of the year and um they in got section play. Yeah, in section play. And you know, but see what the difference is between two A and three A is four A to six A, it doesn't matter if you win your region or not, it's all about your power rankings. So Vista being that they've had such an inconsistent season, I don't know if they're gonna be a playoff uh, contender. Just because a lot of these losses, I mean, Santan Foothills, Sierra Linda, Canyon View, these are teams that, you know, especially Santan Foothills, mm-hmm. they're teams that, you know, the previous week you go out and you blow out a team, come in this week and, and you lay a goose egg. Yeah, and you lay a goose egg, uh, you know, and it's unfortunate, but they got the first uh, back-to-back wins for the first time since 2018, and it's like I said, they they're uh hitting that stride right at the end of the season and we'll we'll see how how it goes you know they got i believe uh one or two games left yeah, uh, depending on if anyone cancels or not yeah well i just uh actually got word um uh yesterday that kofa uh has potentially forfeited that's the next opponent for vista grande mm-hmm. and so uh they said that they are going to forfeit we're going to kind of look into that and uh, get that posted before uh, Friday morning. Um, but like I said, there there goes another another issue with uh, putting kids out there to play. You know, it's Kofa was 0-8. It could have gave Vista Grande probably maybe their first three-game win, win streak in uh, team history, history yeah. you know. And so because uh, if, if you guys don't know, Vista Grande, I believe, has only been around no more than 10, 12 years yeah, they they started in two thousand and eleven. So or, you know, no, 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 it was but, before then. No, it's about two thousand. I mean, it? yeah, it's about two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, and so they haven't been around very long. So they're still, you know, built building that that football uh, culture there. And then at the same time, they also had a couple more student athletes that just shined. Um, young freshman Fernando Moya put up one hundred and forty seven yards and a touchdown. And also, let's show some kicker love. Shout out to Cody Barber because we know we love our kickers. Um, Javier Valero put up uh, four uh, point after touchdowns and, and knocked them all down, four for four. So stuff like that, you got you to be, you know, even though that it wasn't really an impressive win, you got you to gotta harp on the big wins like that. I believe uh, um, their coach was saying that this was the most complete game that he's seen them play 
And so, you know, to piggyback off what you said, it's kind of like they're putting the pieces together, you know, they're showing their coach something. And I think even though Yuma was winless this year and they should have blown them out, their um, Vista Grande learned how to finish for the first time this year because every other team they've blown out, I think, by halftime, maybe at the end of the third quarter. And they just so, closed it through. Yeah, so it was good to finally see them get challenged near the end of the game there and see how they were going to react. So, you know, hats off to them. They're, they sit at four and three. Uh, we'll see about the Kofa game. Um, we're going to see if AIA accepts the forfeit. If if that, uh, they do, uh, Vista will be five and three. I mean, it's not it's not a a real win, or you know, per se, it's not a way you want to get the yes, win. Yes, exactly. But it would put them at a three game win streak uh, coming into their last game uh, against uh, Carl Hayden Community, and I. We got to check on that one to see, you know, um, if that one will fall through. But at the same, uh, not to interrupt you, but did you know that Vista only had one winning season for football? And that was in 2015, and they went seven and four. Yeah. And so, you know, they're, they're getting the program uh, on the right course. And, you know, if they finish above 500, it's kind of like it, was, it would be a shocker for me. It, it would, as far as the start of the season, I didn't know what to expect. New coach, you know, a team that uh, nobody's really familiar with. They come out first game of the season, blow a team out, you know, and and, and we were shocked. Mm -hmm. You know, we we thought this team uh, wasn't going to hit that stride, and here and here they are. They're possibly one, two games above five hundred, and we'll have the second winning season in team history. Yeah, but even with this winning season, I don't think that it would be like you said earlier. I don't think it'll be enough to get them into the playoffs, which they only had that one playoff appearance in 2015. Yeah. You know, even if they don't, they're hitting, they're going in the right direction and, and that's all that, you know, and we should applaud them for that one because like I said, I had them finishing below 500, but they're, they're proving us wrong and, and I like it, you know, and I'm, an, and you know, I hope uh, that they can finish the season. If, if they do play Kofa, great. And uh, finish up against Carl Hayden. Hey, man, you you got a four game win streak going into next year, mm -hmm. and you know you're you're building something nice. So it's going to be uh good to see how the uh, Spartans finish uh, the rest of the season. But the next team we're uh, gonna hit is gonna be the Sequoia Pathway Pumas. They went down, um, or no, they were home yeah, actually were home. for uh, American Leadership Academy Ironwood. And they took care of business against a 3A opponent. Mm -hmm. Eight to 33 was the final score. And I don't know about you, but I don't. When we were there to watch them take on Santa Rita during that game, didn't you feel like they perfected their onside kick attack? Oh, absolutely, man. And you know, it, and it might be the experience of Santa Rita, you know, but they. I mean, I think they had four or five straight onside kicks that game and were successful. You know, so against uh, ALA, um, I thought ALA would put up a better fight, you know, being that they play in a, a, the same conference as Coolidge and Florence or the same region, I'm I'm sorry, um, of Coolidge and Florence. I thought it would be a much closer game. But Sequoia, man, they're, they're hitting they're on a different level. Once they got that passing attack with Will Weber back there, 
it's been a whole completely different team. They don't need to just rely on that backfield. They got uh, Jairie Gamble out there uh, at wide receiver and uh, Jeremiah Garcia at wide receiver. And then uh, you got uh, uh, Tyshawn Mooney. Yep, in the backfield. And, and, I mean, with Will Weber under center, that offense is unreal right now. And uh, their defense, I mean, do we need to say more about their defense? because no, I'm glad ahead. you brought them up because – on their very first play, they started off with an onside kick, and guess who was the one to recover it? Uh, I'm going to say uh, Norian. Norian Banks was definitely the one on top of that ball. And the kid's only a sophomore this year. Him and his brother. Him There's two. And it's so crazy because they have two more years to go, and I hope that they stay in Maricopa to play for uh, Coach D and Sequoia Pathway. I have no doubts that that kid will will be a name that everybody in this state will know. Oh, absolutely. And and there's a, actually a few of those players, you know, not only him, but his brother uh, is um, uh, w- William Easley. Is he, is he a uh, Mike Easley? Mike he's Easley. A yeah, he's a senior. Okay. And so, you know, they got a defense that they play balls to the wall, man. Like they, they will attack you and beat you down. From whistle to whistle. And smile doing it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, respect uh, for uh, Coach D, man, what he's doing over there in Sequoia. Because, like I said, they're they're sitting at, with the win over ALA, they're sitting at 7-3. and three. They've won the uh, 2A Rialto region, which automatically qualifies them for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so with that being said, they're going to be playing Benson. Uh, Third who, seed Benson. Yes, who is 8-2. and two, And we're actually going to talk about that here in a little bit uh, about these upcoming games. But Sequoia, man, they, they finished up strong. They took, I mean, even after losing to Santa Cruz to come back and beat Santa Rita 69 to zero to go in and beat ALA 33 to eight, who's a three, a team, you know, they're coming into this playoffs with, um, excuse my language, but they're coming in with a lot of balls, uh, uh, you know, going down to Benson and it's going to be interesting to see. Oh yeah. I think that, that, that confidence is definitely going to, going to be needed because when they go down to Benson, they're going to be facing a team that was in the the playoffs last year and unfortunately lost to Santa Cruz Valley. But this year, I think that they're going to get taken out by by Sequoia Pathway. And this by no means is is, is a knock on Benson, but Sequoia Pathway, from the little time that we've got to follow them, we got to see that they are probably, other than Casa Grande, are the most well-rounded team. They don't get down on each other too much. Uh, they're, They're quick to pick each other up. We saw on the sidelines when they played Santa Rita, they're a lively group. Absolutely. And and they just they're they're just loving the game right now. And and I feel like that's the type of uh, energy you need to win a championship. Oh, most definitely. You know, and and what I like about this group is, uh, you know, like you said, they pick each other up. But at the same time is that they're motivating each other. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, for instance, I think Jairi had um, over 100 yards receiving and Jeremiah had one catch for one yard. I guarantee you on that sideline, they didn't care. All they care about is winning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and they care about uh, helping their teammates and helping their team win in any way possible. And that's the good thing about Sequoia going into the playoffs. But we're going to wrap it, uh, up the recap with our last game, uh, which was our game of the week 
unfortunately, uh, due to the birth of your son, you weren't able to attend. Yeah, but wasn't able to make it. But I was down there with uh, Chris uh, Kidney from uh, Southern Arizona Podcast. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. Um, and this game was very weird, bro. It let, let me tell you, Santa Cruz. I mean, uh, Casa Grande took uh, care of business, won twenty eight to six. I, I expected more out of uh, Canyon del Oro, mm-hmm. you know, but it was such a weird environment to watch football. The um, the fans for uh, Canyon del Oro were not; they were dead in the water, bro. And I could hear their uh, their students section. Their se- they had like a little specific section for their seniors. They were louder than the rest of the crowd on uh, the CDO si- uh, stands. That's and then crazy. and then you get the uh, marching band with nine minutes left in the second quarter. They go down and uh, start playing music, you know, the xylophones and everything. And it's not even close to halftime yet. And me and Chris are over there looking at each other like, what's going on? You know, and I think the weirdest part in the and, uh, you know, Chris can attest to this. The weirdest part when we finally went over to the uh, Casa Grande sideline um, Casa Grande had a fourth down stop. They uh, stopped uh, CDO uh, from, uh, I think it was a goal line stand. CDO's marching band started playing their fight song. So we were just in awe of just like how. Unaware they were. Yes, pretty much. Like what game are you guys watching <laughs> out there? You know, because when we go to, when we went to uh, Casa Grande's uh, stadium, Oh, they were in it from whistle yeah, it to whistle. The band was, uh, you know, the band was doing their things. Fans were engaged with it. But when you're visiting sideline, I can hear them more than I'm. And I was on the CDO sideline or I'm uh, stands for a little while. When I can hear the uh, Casa Grande uh, stands in an uproar over CDOs. And there, there was times where CDO was doing good things. But. Like I said, weird environment, but I'll, I'll let you uh, go over the stats for that one. Just it was just crazy. Yeah. Uh, well, with Casa Grande winning twenty eight to six, Casa Grande then stopped Canyon del Oro's five game win streak, and I didn't think that it was going to be this kind of a game. I thought that it would be a a game where CDO would test Casa Grande's defense, but that's not the case. It, uh, from what you said, there was a lot of penalties and just miscues throughout yeah, the game. I, yeah, I think uh, Casa Grande could have easily put up 42, 49 points that game. They uh, had uh, two turnovers. Uh, just one of them was a bad snap, and then uh, one of them was just a fumble on the play. But uh, they also uh, had a um, last-second uh, touchdown come up short. I, I think they... Casa Grande thought they would be given about three seconds uh, left on the clock. Uh, they had the ball. Um, they caught the ball, got stopped at the one-yard line, and they would have easily punched it in uh, right at halftime. But, uh, you know, even though it wasn't the um, best game we've seen from Casa Grande, they still were dominant on both sides of the ball. And, you know, and that's what surprised me about CDO. I thought they were going to come in, especially in their home field and, when I was there, like I said, the environment was weird. The The thing about CDO, though, and, and you know, you, if you coaches are out there listening, Chris Kidney was able to know what play, they, which direction they were going to run each and every one of their plays. And when somebody in the stands can identify that, what do you think those coaches on the sideline are seeing? Oh, they're picking it up, too. You know, and so 
with CDO is no matter which direction they were going, you know, what, what end zone they were going towards, they, everything ran towards their sideline. And that was odd to me, you know, because after a while, Caster Graham was picking it up and they, you know, commit to one side and they're doing these read options where if the quarterback kept it, man, he, he would be running, you know, uh, still today, possibly. Uh, and that's what was interesting. Like I said, the whole environment was just weird, but Cassegrain took care of business as they always do. They improved to nine and zero on the season, eight and zero if uh, depending on you know which uh, website you're using to uh, find your stats. Uh, but uh, according to AIA, Cassegrain's still eight and zero, and that's where I was going to talk to you about the uh, forfeits mm-hmm. uh, with uh, San, um, when Seton Catholic forfeited to Cassegrain. Now the AIA doesn't want to give Cassegrain that win. And so that's the interesting thing for me is kind of like, even though AIA was trying to force uh, Seton Catholic to go down and play Casagrande and penalize Seton Catholic for uh, the forfeit, they're not going to give them the win now. And I thought that was pretty odd. And I, I don't like that call at, e- at all either because I feel like that's going to definitely affect them. Like you said, uh, 4A, 5A and up all have their playoff hopes uh, written off the chances of power rankings. And that's definitely not going to help them because we've been talking about this all year that the the type of competition that Castle Grand has played isn't what people expect out of a team that's undefeated. Um, with them being so intimidating to to knock out these teams in ridiculous fashion, I think the Union scoring is three thirty nine to fifty five. Yeah, it's that's unbelievable. And when, but I think that when they have numbers like that it shows like well maybe we're just putting them against teams that are excuse my language ass yep and and we and and not we as in me and you but the aia needs to see that this isn't just an isolated problem this is happening all throughout the state absolutely you know and you you get into teams like um uh perry uh they're based out of gilbert Mm -hmm. uh they they play they're in the region with teams like hamilton Chandler you know these nationally ranked teams mm-hmm. but they get more love from the AIA than Casa Grande does and I don't I don't see how that works or and that and not just pointing uh, out Casa Grande who's undefeated I'm talking about teams with one maybe two losses they're getting outranked by Perry High School because Who only has two wins yes and because they're playing against these uh, tougher nationally ranked teams and so it's pretty weird you know to how everything's kind of been going but I mean either way Casa Grande's doing their thing man like I said whether they're playing and and this goes back to like the other teams we cover this goes back to handling your business it doesn't matter who you put in front of Casa Grande whether they got a winning record whether they got a losing record they come out ready to play ready to handle business and the scores show it mm-hmm. you know and so with Cass Grand, whether you want to say that they're 8-0, 9-0, the uh, thing that all that matters is they're undefeated. And I got one more stat for you. What's that? And this is courtesy of uh, Ben Gutierrez, you know, uh, Cass Grand's historian, uh, high school historian over there. You know, he, he comes out with these amazing stats. He posted that Cass Grand, if they finish off, uh, they, um, they actually, their last game was supposed to be against Pueblo. Pueblo backed out. So they picked up a game against Arcadia, who's uh, five and three on the season. If uh, Casagrande takes 
uh, care of business against Arcadia. They will go undefeated for the first time in 71 years. They have not been undefeated since 1950. So, you know, I and if you guys are listening, think about how long ago that is. That's, you know, probably when your grandparents, great grandparents were being born. And so I'm excited. You know, when I heard that stat, I was like, oh, man, I want them to finish off. You know, yeah, that's history. It's, it's history. And lastly, the last time that they finished undefeated, they were state champions. Now, do you think that they could be able to do that with all the complications that are involved this year with the AIA? Uh, yes, because um, with uh, this new open um, eight that they do where they take uh, from 4A to 6A, they take the top eight teams between uh, the three uh, divisions and they make them uh, give them their own tournament. So it's going to be like Chandler, Hamilton. Well, there's two 4A teams, which is um, Cactus and uh, uh, American Leadership Academy, Queen Creek. I think they're the Patriots. Mm -hmm. Both of those teams are almost a lock to make this open season. So what does that do for Casa Grande? Well, Casa Grande's currently sitting in uh, fourth or fifth in the 4A power rankings. So you knock two teams out of the open season, Post and Butte moves up to one, Casa Grande either moves up to two or three, depending on where they have them at. So now you're talking about them playing, uh, you know, easier uh, teams rather than being a fifth seed and, you know, having to play a little bit tougher team. So it could work out in their favor. And if things work out where Post and Butte's one, Casa Grande's two, you could possibly, if all things go right, see a uh, Pinal County uh, state championship in 4A. I would like that. And and then I'm pretty sure everybody in CG who is not liking the, the Pinal County top 10 seeing Post and Butte above them. Would love to see the Cougars just eat up the Broncos. Oh, absolutely. You know, and, and that's what, like uh, like we said, uh, Post and Butte's been getting a lot more love because of the teams that they've been playing. It's unfortunate, but you know what? I would love to see a Pinal County championship between those two teams because other than uh, what Cactus or ALA Queen Creek would be, uh, be able to add to the competition, it's going to see uh, two good teams go at it. And you know what? But at the same time, they got to get there first. So let's see uh, how uh, Casa Grande finishes up against Arcadia. And we'll see uh, where uh, ALA, uh, uh, AIA puts them as far as the power rankings coming next week. And just a, qu- a quick brush up on the Arcadia Titans. They are 2-0 and right now in the 4A Black Canyon region. And their last game was against Tempe High School. And they did them dirty, fifty-five to seven. Yeah, so I, I, I don't think that uh, they'll have that type of uh, luck going into Cass Grand because this is their senior night. Oh, and you um, know they're gonna they're, they're gonna, gonna go show all out. out. Yeah, absolutely, you know. And like I said, uh, with Cass Grand, they they got a a handful of seniors. You know what I mean? They they got a lot of guys who've been playing together since Pop Warner, and. That's what's uh, so great about this is you finally seeing all that hard work pay off. And, you know, you got Casa Grande who's trying to make history and they're not going to settle for just going undefeated in the regular season. They're going to try to go in, uh, all the way. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're trying their best to be at the top of the page. There's no way that Casa Grande's going to be satisfied being a footnote. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And um, so just to recap, uh, we do have three games. Uh, well, Two official games, possibly one, uh, coming uh, this week. 
We got uh, Casa Grande uh, having their senior night against Arcadia. Uh, You got Vista Grande. uh, They're going to head down to Kofa. Like I said, we'll keep you guys uh, posted on that uh, to see if the game's actually going to go on or if it's going to be a forfeit because I think at this point it's too late to pick up a a fill-in game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll see. But let's get into our game of the week. we're going to be heading down to uh, Benson, Arizona to see our first playoff action. It's going to be Sequoia Pathway taking on uh, Benson, uh, the Bobcats, right? Yep, Benson Bobcats. And so uh, you you said you had uh, said earlier um, Santa Cruz uh, beat Benson last year in the championship, correct? Yep. And so you got Sequoia Pathway, one of our other Pinal County teams. They're riding high, and they're going to go in against a tough Benson team, so it's going to be uh, – it's going to be a very good matchup, and I'm very excited to be able to take part in that. I am too. I I, I feel that uh, Coach D and the rest of the staff on Sequoia Pathway will have these boys in the right mindset to go in there to to know that this is uh, this isn't this isn't it. Like when you win this, we still got more work to do. And I feel like that's their their whole team's mentality is to just put their head down and keep working. And if they do that all four quarters this time. There's no way that that we don't follow them to their next playoff game. Absolutely, you know, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, kickoff will be at 7 p.m. So you know, if you ain't got nothing going on on a Friday night, you want to go ahead out to uh, Casa Grande, uh, ch- uh, support those uh, seniors on their last uh, home game. Or if not, I mean, we'll be down in Benson if y'all if you got are, that extra gas. Hey, you know, if you got that <laughs> extra gas, come on out and, uh, you know, come uh, hang out with us. Um, and we'll, we'll be there. And I'm looking forward to it. But, hey, man, it's been another good week. You know, unfortunately, we got some teams uh, sitting at home. and But we still got three uh, teams that we got to go out there and support. And we're going to continue to do that. And we hope that you guys are uh, able to do uh, that as well. But other than that, uh, you got any uh, last words for uh, for the uh, viewers? Um, just stay tuned, guys. I know that football season is just about wrapping up, but this doesn't stop here. We are gearing up for basketball season right now, and we know that that's a lot more games, and it's uh, it's going to be really exciting, but we... We really can't wait. We we look forward to seeing everybody out in the in the stands and and getting able to to talk to the coaches. So if, and and if you're a coach and you're listening to this right now, and we hope you are, give us a message. Uh, don't be shy. Uh, send us anything you may have. Any questions? If you want uh, us to come to an event or a tournament you're having, we would love to be there. Um, we're we're not uh, difficult people to deal with. We we. We were straight up and honest. We would love to give Pinal County the exposure it deserves and get these kids into a position where they can not only necessarily get out of Pinal County, but better themselves as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, and all it takes is a a few eyes to kind of see the potential that's here in Pinal County. And so, like like you said, it, it doesn't stop just at football. We're gearing up for uh, basketball, and that's boys and girls basketball. So a lot more work for me and you, but you know what? We enjoy it, man. Yeah, that's, that, that's why we do this. It, you know, it's not just for 
us to get likes and follows on, you know, social media. It's to be able to have an enjoyment uh, of what's going on in Pinal County. And as you guys see, there's a lot of potential here in Pinal County. We just got to come together as a community and be able to expose these kids and give them that little bit of light. So we're excited to uh, uh, be uh, starting basketball here soon. And I think you uh, wanted to make an announcement. Uh, We actually picked up our first tournament, right? Yeah, this year we are excited to announce that we will be part of the New Year's shootout for Santa Cruz, and we will be there along with Pinal Central, uh, the Big Baller brand, and Arizona Preps to cover this ridiculous uh, amount of talent that they have coming in for the to just to close out the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that'll uh, be taking place uh, at the end of December. Uh, so you know, if you I know it's around the holidays, but if you ain't got nothing to do, head to, head down to uh, Eloy. Uh, come check us out. Come check out uh, some of these uh, great basketball players that are going to be showing up for this tournament. And, you know, we hope it's going to be something uh, really enjoyable and that we can uh, be able to uh, come to next year. So with that being said, man, it's like I said, it's been a great week, but congratulations to you. And we we got a lot, you know, coming for you guys. But please, uh, all that we ask is that uh, give us some feedback. Let us know what you guys are interested, what you want to hear us talk about. Well, you know what uh, we can do better as far as when we're uh, providing you stats and updates. And uh, of course, go out and like, share and uh, subscribe to uh, our pages out there and We hope to uh, continue this and we'll be back next week to give you the results of uh, the final week for 4A and to see if uh, Sequoia Pathway will be moving on. I hope they will. Um, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the episode and we look forward to possibly seeing you guys out there in Benson. Uh, Take it easy. Thank you guys and we'll see you next week.